talked about that a lot here at, at Colorado Life Church. That f like the average person of faith or the average church attendance in the United States, that's actually on the decline. But you know what's crazy? And I, I, I didn't even, I, I looked this up after I had the thought in preparation for this uh, sermon this week. I feel like Christmas is on the rise. Do you guys feel that way? Like, like do you feel, I, honestly, I, I looked it up. And while church attendance, people saying that they believe in God, people saying they're Christians are declining in the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years, the uh, celebration of Christmas is actually staying exactly the same, which I think is really interesting. 93% of Americans say they'll, uh, they will um, celebrate Christmas this year. 96% of Americans will buy a gift for somebody, a Christmas gift for somebody this year. And that has basically stayed the same for the last 25 years. What is that? You know? And then there's another phrase that I came across as I was doing a little bit of research this week. It's called Christmas creep. You guys heard of this? It's pretty good. And it's, it, I mean, we, we have the retailers to blame for this. But Christmas creep, you've experienced it. You have been shopping for something around Halloween and saw Christmas stuff in the store. That is Christmas creep. That every year, retailers make so much money. In fact, I saw this stat this, this, uh, this week. That Do you know that retailers, the average, no, no, that's something else. Hold on to that stat. I gotta, I'll come back to that stat here in a second. Um, but like, you know, the idea of Black Friday, do you guys know where Black Friday comes from? It's the, the day, this is, uh, this is what I've heard, that, that retailers, they, they literally become in the black on that day. So everything leading up to Good Friday, or Good Friday, Black Friday, was, was just, you know, getting out of the hole for a retailer, and then everything from, from Black Friday to the end of the year, that's their profit. So as you can imagine, they, they push for Christmas hard, and you guys have seen it, right? And the, the commercials, the, the songs in the store, and you're like, dude, it's like, it's like still late summer, and you guys are playing Christmas music. That's called Christmas creep. But here's the thing about Christmas creep that's interesting, too. We're spending more as Americans. Can, can parents, can, you get, can I get an amen to that? We're spending more when it comes to... Uh, Christmas. The, uh, catch this: the average American spends a thousand dollars a year on Christmas, um, which begs the question: Why does Lexus think we're all buying new cars, and does all those those dumb commercials where they're like, "Surprise, a new car"? You know, like I don't know, maybe the lease per month is a thousand dollars. I don't know, but anyway, our our budget is about a thousand dollars on average. What is interesting about that is. Uh, the average American spends about $192 on Easter, okay? So, you know, Jesus' birthday versus resurrection is a little bit out of, out of uh, uh, proportion. But still, we'll, we'll go with it. Here's, here's my point, and here's what I was thinking about this week when it comes to Christmas. And, and, and here's my take on it, and maybe you'll disagree with me, but like, what is this? Why, why, why in a, in a culture that's becoming more and more post-Christian, it's it, it, a culture that's coming out on the other side of Christianity and saying, yeah, maybe we don't need that at, at, at large. A lot of people are saying that. Why do we still celebrate Christmas? Here's my theory on the matter. I, I think it's because there's still something about Jesus that we're drawn to. 
that there's still something about him worth revisiting every year. Whether we're church people, Christians, whether, whether we're the same God followers that we were you know, 50 or 100 years ago in this country, I'd like to think that the reason that we still come back to Christmas, still celebrate Christmas, even though if we don't go to church, is the fact there's still something about Jesus. And maybe that's just the optimist in me. Maybe you're a little bit more pessimistic. Maybe you're like, no, the, the glass is not half full, Josh. It's half empty. And it's just people trying to make a buck off of Christmas. And to that, I say, yeah, it's true. And, and here's the thing. I've had, I've, had a, um, I've had a coming to Jesus, a come to Jesus over time when it comes to Christmas. Like, I actually was kind of a Scrooge when I was in my late teens. Sorry, much to my mom's chagrin, who's like, my mom is basically Mrs. Claus forever green in, in this area. It's insane. I mean, everything you see here, just give her a round of applause because this place looks great because of her. I, hard to believe this isn't me. I didn't pick this out, I, um, but uh, it's in my blood, evidently. Um, and I didn't love Christmas for a long time. And I, I, I'm slowly coming around to it. Every year that passes, every year that my kids grow up and we have fun together at Christmas, and, 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 and then every year that we do this, we have church together, and I see people come back to church time after time. It, it, I, I love that. And here's the thing, even though I think, yeah, the, like for sure a lot of, you know, 96% of people celebrating Christmas probably has a lot to do with the commercialization, and there's a lot of secularization about Christmas, maybe it's even, you could even argue, maybe Christmas is not as sacred as it once was. But I wanna just, I want you to think about this for a second. Although it's not altruistic, I think it's still significant. And I actually think that Jesus, what, you know, the fact that 96% of people still celebrate Christmas, I think Jesus feels celebrated. I'm just gonna go out on a limb. I can't speak for him, but I, I think that Jesus is honored by what happens at Christmas. Just think about this in a sec for a second. Where, what other time of year could you just walk into the store and hear joy to the world? Or, or any number of other Christian lyric musics playing, blaring on the speakers, not just at one store, but basically every store right now. I think it feels celebrated. I think, here's, here's the thing. Nonprofits, this is really interesting. Nonprofits, this is the stat that I was getting at that I had to hold till for now. Nonprofits get a quarter of their, uh, of their um, what, is, what would it be? Their giving, their what? Donations in December. Nonprofits get their profit this time of year during Christmas. It's, it's the most attended day of, at church that we'll have is Christmas Eve this year. I, I guarantee it. Uh, there's, and on top of that, there's a whole ton of, of beauty, and there's music, and there's uh, um, warmth to this holiday. People connecting with one another. And I know there's all sorts of baggage, and you, know, like you don't want to see your in-laws and all of that, but the reality is, is behind this holiday, this holiday has a tendency to bring the best out in us. What is that? Is it because we're still drawn to Jesus? There's something about Jesus that we're still drawn to. And I think this is incredible. Like, you might call it, like, like, like um, you know, not altruistic. 
I think Jesus would call it subtle. There's something subtle about Jesus, even down to the, what we celebrate at Christmas is about the, the God coming to earth and being born in a manger, not announcing his presence, right? It was subtle, and that subtleness, subtlety, subtleness, subtleness, let's go with that, continues today. Picture it this way. Imagine on your next birthday, and kids, I want you to imagine this. This is, this is one of the, I want to prove to you that Jesus brings the best out in us. Imagine at your next birthday, at your birthday party, everybody shows up, and instead of giving gifts to you, brings gifts for each other. And kids, you're like mortified at this, this idea. Like, I know you're like, what? This would, be, like, this would be the worst birthday ever. But hang with me for a second here. It's your birthday. You invite a bunch of your friends to your house. It's a big party. Everybody brings gifts, and none of them are for you. They're for everybody else. And, and then you kind of inquire as to why, and they say, there's just something about you and the way that you give in life that we've decided to give to each other in honor of your birthday. That'd be pretty incredible, right? I mean, you'd be like, oh, I guess I'm not getting that Nintendo Switch, but that's sweet. Like, like I'll, ta I'll take that. And every year, every year, you and I, maybe you're doing your shopping right now, we celebrate Jesus' birthday by not bringing something to him, but giving gifts to each other. Isn't that pretty incredible? Because that's actually the essence, we'll, we'll talk about this this morning, the essence of Christmas is just that, that God came to earth not to get something from us, but to give something to us. And now, 2,000 years later, I don't even know how this works, but somehow in this very commercialized, very almost secular holiday, the most celebrated holiday, at least in our culture and in much of the world, we all give gifts to each other. And I think that, that Jesus, I think Jesus is at his own Christmas party, his own birthday party over by the eggnog, sipping and just kind of laughing like, I got you guys. I, I still matter. I'm still, have, there's still something about me that you're drawn to, and there's still something about you, me, that brings the best out of us. Isn't that pretty incredible to think about? See, Christmas is all about this idea. A key word for Christmas is Emmanuel. Uh, Jesus, uh, an angel, appeared to, to the Virgin Mary and said, you're going to have a son, and you're going to call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That, that your son is going to be God incarnate. And everybody say this word, incarnation. incarnation. Today's sermon is brought to you by incarnation. The word of the day, to use a Sesame Street term, is, is incarnation. And I, I, this is a $5 word for that. You can call it whatever you want. We're going to hang on to this word for the next four weeks. You need to know it. Incarnation means, it means literally in Latin, it means in carne or in flesh. How many of you have taken Spanish before? Probably other romantic languages as well. What's meat in French? Does anybody know? I don't care. Never mind. It is carne. See, I told you. Carne. 
carne means meat or flesh. So in flesh is, is what means incarnation. So like, like if you hadn't seen somebody in, the while, in a while and all of a sudden they just showed up at your house, you'd be like, it's an incarnation. I've been wanting to see you, but now I get to see you in the flesh. The idea of incarnation when it comes to theology, when it comes to God, when it comes to this, when it comes to Christmas, is the fact that God, the, the creator of the world, was, loved us enough to actually take on flesh, become one of us, and do become Emmanuel, and be with us. Can you put the J.I. Packer quote up? I've got a couple of good quotes for you today. J.I. Packer said this. This is about the incarnation. The Almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby, needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk like any other child. The more you think about it, and, and here, this is what's important. Everybody just look at me for a second. Pause for a second. We've done, especially if you've grown up in church, even if you haven't grown up in church, you're familiar with this message, you know, Jesus in the manger, and maybe even knew that Jesus was God or the Son of God. That's it was so much so it's almost white noise. 96% of us, you know, celebrate this every year. But what J.R. Packer says here is the more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as the truth of the incarnation. Nothing in fiction, you know, you ever heard the phrase like, you can't make this crap up? <laughs> That's what he's kind of saying here, except more eloquently because he's J.R. Packer. It, 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 nothing is more staggering, nothing in fiction is more fantastic. Another, there's another quote I almost used, um, who was it by? Frederick Beekner, who talked about like the fact that, that, that like Jesus, they had to change his diapers, he, he says in the quote. And he's like, we can't, we, can't, uh, we can't miss how scandalizing, scandalizing? Yeah, I think that's the word he used, scandalizing this is. A scandal, like how can that be? Is, is that true? That God, the God of the universe, the God of everything that we see here was willing to come incarnate in flesh and dwell among us, live among us. It's pretty incredible. And, and I like to say it this way, um, you put that slide up, that God didn't just give us a list. We have a, we have a slide for that, yeah. He gave us himself. That you, you could read the Old Testament and you, you, read, you can read about how God interacts with people throughout the Old Testament and he gives them laws, not because he's mean and domineering, but because he actually cares for us. And he wants us, you know, this, you, know, you want to lead towards life, here's, a, here's the laws. And it, but that is almost like it, it, there's a progression in the Old Testament where it's like, yeah, it didn't work, though. Like, they gave, he gave the people the laws, and then they just kind of, they did it for a while, and then they, they went away from it. They walked away from the life. And it's like God was saying at, at some point in time, we need to do something more. We, need, we can't just give them a list. Let's give them something else. And in the incarnation, in Christmas, we start to recognize and wrestle with the fact and celebrate the fact that God didn't just give us a list. He was willing to actually give himself and come 
and show us, not just talk about what life is, but show us how to live that life. And that's why for us, if you're a Christian, Christmas is unbelievable. Christmas is incredible. The incarnation changes everything. And it wasn't just to, the point with the incarnation was not just to, to, hey, let me show you how it's done, although that is part of it. Like Jesus lived a life that we should emulate, a life that, that we're drawn to, right? It, it's not just a, a life that we should live. He did it for a purpose. Put the C.S. Lewis quote up. I love this. The Son of God became man to enable men to become sons of God. So the incarnation wasn't just a demonstration, you know, like, hey, here it is. Let me show you how it's done. The incarnation has a very distinct purpose in mind, and that purpose is to change us into his likeness, for us to become like him. The Son of God became man to enable men to become sons of God, for us to be able to become Sons and daughters of God. That's what we celebrate at Christmas through the incarnation. My sermon this morning is going to be short. I'm like, I'm, all, I'm probably over halfway done already. In the remainder of our time, here's what I'd like to do. We're going to do, we're going to, um, I want to look at a couple difficulties of the, of the incarnation, a couple takeaways from the incarnation. And then we're going to actually, um, I got a, a question for you that I want you to answer. I'm going to hand you out a card. Don't do it yet. Um, we'll do it in a little bit. But, but you're going to get the card here in a second. And I want you to answer a question in reflection uh, and think about uh, as, as we think about Christmas. But let's start uh, back up for a second. Here's what's difficult about the incarnation. And I, I really, I think this is important to talk about. As, as much as I'm building it up, as much as, it, as cool as I'm making it sound, there's some, some of us will, will wrestle with the idea of the incarnation because there's a, a few things about it that are, are difficult. First off, finally, like, like it, it's firmly in the category. The incarnation is firmly in the category of something that happened a very long time ago. And, I, and to be honest, a lot of us, uh, we're longing for something fresh and new. Like some of you have thought about this before, and you're like, I, I, I think I believe in God, or maybe even I want to believe in God, but I just I need to see something. I, I need to feel. I need to feel something. I need some sort of even just like strong evidence, right? I need to see something undeniable, and maybe even it'd be great if it was extremely personal, somehow. And for, for a lot of us, the incarnation doesn't fit that bill. It's, some, it's, it's great, yeah, God became flesh and dwelled among, you can't even say us, it was them. It was 2,000 years ago. And if that's you, I, I, I feel for you. That's one of the, the hard parts or one of the, the things that make the, the difficulties of the incarnation. Another thing is kind of the oddities that come with the, dis the, the incarnation, some disconnect of like the virgin birth and the, the shepherds and the, ma like if you've ever looked at the nativity scene or like a live nativity and be like, I don't get it. It's because there's, it's odd, it's odd to us. It's, it's a different time, it's a different culture. It's not something that we can maybe readily understand. If that's you, understand. 
And then the other thing, and this is probably the most important thing, like the one I want to focus on today, is that it comes with, with that, that's a difficulty with the incarnation. Is, and, and the best way I can put it is, it's, it's like, the answer's not 27. That's what I have written in my notes. And, and let me explain. The incarnation answers a lot especially the more you dive into it, it answers like, like what God is like, what our relationship to, is to him. And it, but it's not necessarily straightforward. It's not like Jesus came to earth and just said, all these problems that are you know, in the world, here's the answer. It's 27. And then he flew back up into heaven and we're like, oh, 27. Why didn't I think of that? And here's the thing, when we look at the world and we see all these problems, all the complexities, all the darkness, all the brokenness in the world, we long for a solution. We wish it wasn't that way, right? And it's like, oh sweet, if God is on the scene, then he'll bring the solution. And we kind of wish he could just come down and say, it's 27. And then just go back up to heaven, and then we can live, you know, the 27 out and fix things, and, and, and then voila. And the problem is, is the world's more complex than that. It's more nuanced than that. It, it's more broken than that. It's not a simple fix. And so what we find in the incarnation is, as Jesus is walking around, and this is fascinating. Um, so, so here's a couple, like a take, some takeaways, two takeaways from the idea of the incarnation. That did you know? I, I, I was looking at, and we're going to look at in the weeks to come when we dive into the Gospels in the next couple of weeks. We're going to look at the questions that people bring to Jesus, some of the questions that they ask him. This is God incarnate, and they, and, and there's a point in time where Jesus started to say, "Hey, I'm the Messiah." And, that, and that he even took it to the next level. He did not just said, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Son of God. And then he was kind of hinting at that maybe he, been, he was God. And that elicited all sorts of questions out of people. Okay, if you're God and the world is broken, what would you say about this? What would you do about this? What should we do about this? All of these questions start to pop up. And here's what's interesting. God in flesh, God incarnate, as he's fielding these questions, here's the numbers. Okay, here's, here's the questions of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In the Gospels, Jesus asked 307 questions, which that by itself is a staggering thing. He was at, I'll tell you how many, people, how many questions he was asked here in a second. It's about half. But isn't it staggering that the God of the universe asked more questions than we asked him? He asked 307 questions, okay? People asked Jesus, it, it recorded, this is what's recorded in the Gospels, 183 questions. Guess how many he answered out of those 183 questions? Do you know the answer? Did you hear it this week while I was talking about it? What is it? Three. He answered three questions. And I think the three questions were, Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Are you the son of God? Are you? And he's like, yes, I am. Straightforward answer to a really, you know, like big question. The other one was, let me see if I can remember him. The other one was, 
Jesus, how do we pray? And he said, this is how you pray. Oh, I, could, I got goosebumps. He's like, you want to know? You want to know how to pray and listen and talk to God? I'll t- that one I'll answer. This is how you pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He does the Lord's prayer. And then the third one was just as powerful, too. And I can't remember. Oh, it was Jesus, what is the greatest commandment that was given? And he answers that one clearly. That that one was not easy to answer. And that one he says, love God and love people. That's it. It walks away. So he was capable of answering questions very straightforwardly. But he only answers three. And here's my takeaway from that. God rarely, this, and this is important, this is important. If you've ever, this, you need to know this. If there's ever been a part of you that would like to know God more, would like to sense God more, is interested in God, is, is intrigued by the idea of God, if this is you at all, you need to know this. This is my takeaway from, from both the incarnation as well as these questions and that kind of stuff. God rarely picks the most straightforward path to our answers. I don't know why, but it's true. If you've followed God for long, you know that, that God rarely picks the most straightforward path when it comes to us growing closer to him. And I, and I think I have some theories on this. Um, and I think it might just be as simple as, uh, here's, 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 a, here's an example. I went to college, and I was like, I was excited to go to college for a lot of reasons, some of them studious. Um, but the stu- on the studious side of things for college, I was, I was excited to learn answers to a lot of questions that I had. And, and whether you've been to college or not, you've probably had an experience like this, but you probably had this in college where you went to study something and you came in with a list of questions, you studied it for four years and then you came out of it with a list of questions that wasn't this long, it was now this long, right? That's just, that's just an area of study. That's just psychology or business or economics or whatever you studied, philosophy, you know, acting, you know, your girlfriend, whatever it was, whatever you studied, that's just that. We're talking about the God of the universe. We're talking about a God that created all of that. And it, could it just possibly be that when we're wrestling with wanting more answers, wanting to understand what's happening, that there, there's, there's a lot to wrestle with. And that as we get closer to God, we will obviously get some questions answered. I'm not here to say that I've never had a question answered as I pursued God. Quite the opposite. But is it possible that as we get closer to God and as we understand the incarnation more, and I think this is why Jesus did it the way he didn't just answer questions. A lot of times, remember, he would do this. People are like, well, what about this? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus would be like, a man was walking down the road, and he got attacked. And three people walked past him, a priest and a Levite. They walked right past him, and then a Samaritan came. And he tells a parable, right? And he invites you in to think about it. It's not simple, but it is 
deep and it's meaningful and it can be beautiful as we step closer to the incarnation. And that's basically what Christmas is. That's what my invitation is to you this Christmas season. Every Christmas we run into this, it's an invitation for us to interact, to wrestle with, to experience, to understand, to seek to understand the incarnation. It's a little bit more of it every year. But it's going to take something of you. It's not just something that's, it's not just 27. It's something we have to step into. Here's the question, and we can hand those out now. Here's my question to you. And this, I am excited by this. So as, as um, Rebecca hands out these questions, I want you to take two of these cards, two per person. Go ahead and put that question up. Here's the question. And I want you to think about this for yourself. I'm actually going to give you a couple minutes. We'll put a song on here in a, in a minute. And I just want you to reflect on, as and, and I want you to answer this question as best you can. At this point in time, what would grow your faith or belief in God the most? We're going we're gonna to revisit this question over the next few weeks leading up to Christmas. This, is gonna, this question is going to be kind of a guide to us. Because I think in the incarnation, as God came and, and was, you see this in the New Testament, that as Jesus came on the scene and he said, I am the Messiah, I am the Son of God, people had a whole bunch of questions. And so I think this question is appropriate for us to ask. At this point in time, what would grow your faith or belief in God the most? And what's cool, guys, is I, I've been asking this question to a bunch of different people this week. I'm going to continue asking this question to people in the, in the weeks to come. The reason I'm handing out two of these is because I would love, if you would do this for me, this could be your Christmas present to me. This is all I want for Christmas. I'd love for you to write your response on one of those, and then um, can, we, can we have that cut back and like put it back in the, on, on the table back there? Just place it in. You don't have to put your name on it at all, but I would love to hear what is it at this point in time in your life, what would grow your faith or your belief in God the most? In fact, so let's just take some time. At, um, we're going to put some music on and just take a couple minutes in a, in a, in a, um, a spirit of prayer. Think about this question and write it down. And then one of, them's gonna, one of those cards is going to go with you to take with you to think about in the weeks to come and then if you can leave one with us that'd be awesome. Let's let's do that. <laughs> 